we all have this voice, this inner critic in our head, and it is so happy to tell us that we can't do something, right? It's so thrilled to tell you that you're not good enough, you're not smart enough, you're not talented enough, you're not this, you're not that, and you know, we listen to it. You're listening to Inside Acting, a podcast dedicated to demystifying the inner and outer game of success in the entertainment industry. I'm AJ Meyer. And I'm Trevor Algott. And coming up in episode 212, we have the third and final part of AJ's interview with publicist Steve Rohr. In part three, Steve Rohr. The way I said that, I was like, Rohr. In part three, Steve talks about the work behind publicity, some of the things that define a celebrity's it factor, and gives some advice on how to manage those unsupportive voices in our head. I don't know what he's talking about. Oh, no, neither do I. That and his answers to our final two questions, all coming up in episode 212. So stick around. Support for this episode of Inside Acting comes from VO2GoGo.com, the award-winning voiceover training system and winner of Backstage's Reader's Choice Award for Best VO Training four years in a row. Visit VO2GoGo.com slash start for a free getting started in voiceover online class that'll help you add voiceover to your acting portfolio. That's VO2GoGo.com slash start. Adge. That's what I'm calling you from now. It's just easier to, to say. Adge. Is that okay? Nelson used to call me that. He used to call you Adge? Yeah. Did it drive you up the wall? It was slightly annoying. He got it because um, whenever I don't use um, I don't use periods in the AJ. It's just like a thing. When I started going by AJ, I just didn't use periods. It's just capital A, capital J. There's a joke there somewhere, but, but go ahead. I don't know what it is, but there is. <laughs> I'm afraid of what that joke is. Um, And so what would happen is I would sign up for, I think it was like, the one where he got it from was probably, because we were living together, and and I think it was like, you know, Southern California Edison, like the electric company. Mm -hmm. So when I put my name in, it was just capital A, lowercase j, and I couldn't get them to like fix it. So he's just like, it's like your Edge. Edge Majeer. Edge Majeer. That's that's a badass name, actually. Ash Majeer. You should totally introduce yourself that way at your next audition. Yes, Hello, I'm everyone. Ash. I'm Ash. Is it now? Ash is Majeer. it is it AJ or is it no? It's Ash. Call me Ash Majeer. Ash Majeer. Ash Majeer. Uh, anyway, listeners may hear construction during this episode. Their unit downstairs, uh, they're cutting things and banging things and scraping things and vacuuming things and playing loud music. So just uh, know that uh, if you hear that, that's what's happening. Which, uh, if you're paying attention, means that we're actually recording this in person, In baby. person at my humble abode in Culver City. Yay! Yes, yes, quite stoked. Uh, however, we are on a sort of a tight time limit today. Uh, so, let's get right to it. What is new in your world? Nothing. This week, nothing? <laughs> nothing, nothing acting-wise. Today. This week has been about working and um, moving. 
So we're finally in our new place. Dude, that's a huge thing. You have a new apartment. It is a huge thing. It's also a a huge expense. Mm. (laughs) I I gotta say, like, you know, if you're gonna, if, if, I mean, anybody who's moved a lot knows this. Anybody who's moved across the country knows this, but I'm sort of, I'm, I'm, I feel like I'm experiencing the thing that people experience when they move from a minor market to a major market from a minor market to Los Angeles or to New York. It's like showing up, not knowing where you're going to live, not having a place to stay, couch surfing for a while. Then when you get in the place, you're like, oh, finally, we have a place. That was the big expense. Oh, we don't have a fork. Um, We we don't have a spoon. For me, when I moved to LA, it was a can opener. I went weeks without a can opener. It's like, I don't have a can. Nobody taught me this. Nobody told me. I was so mad. I definitely uh, acquired a can opener from a place that I will be returning it to. I told one person. I said, I'm bringing this back. Don't worry. I just got one can of beans to open, brah. Just one One can can of beans. Yeah. I was only supposed to have it a day. I've had it three. Yeah. Exactly. So wow. anyway, that's what I'm going through right and now. And you guys are, just for the stalkers that are listening, you're in El Segundo, is that right? Uh, <clears throat> the other side of the 405 from El Segundo. Okay. Uh, like Northwest Hawthorne, the neighborhood itself is called Del Amo. It's, yeah. Uh, it's interesting. It's, it's, it's like the gentrification, of course, is starting at the coast uh-huh. and moving its way slowly east. So we found like a, a cheap place just on the other side of where that is um, before things get really crazy okay. in that neighborhood. Cool. Yeah. Cool, man. It's almost like the Harlem of Los Angeles, Very nice. where we came from in New York. <laughs> I was going to say, from one Harlem to another. Right. That's um, awesome, dude. Well, congrats on the move. Congrats and, and on getting we're on, settled. We're on uh, 120th Street, and in New York, we're on 119th. So wow. So we, we moved 3,000 miles and a block. And a block. So I don't want to talk much because you were not feeling well the last time we recorded. So you didn't get to talk about the Climate Rally, the Leadership Core training at all. And I know we don't have a lot of time to talk. So I want to hear like, I don't know, the bullet points. I mean, we, we you and I got to talk on our way to a, a very special interview that we have coming up yeah, a little yeah. bit in the car. But uh, I want our listeners to know. I want to. I want to like share the love, share the wealth, share the knowledge. Totally, dude. Totally. Uh, it's funny too because I. I I had that thing going last week, and then I was like, "Oh, I can't really talk much." Yeah, and then of course I ended up talking a lot and forgetting that my throat was hurting. Apparently, <laughs> um, but anyway, I, yeah, I'm really stoked to talk. So it was it was very cool. Uh, Climate reality leadership core training in Miami uh, about a, mm, three three and a half weeks ago now. They do the, they do these all over the world. This was the thirtieth Climate Reality Leadership Core training. Uh, in the past, like four or five years, wow! Climate Reality Project is Al Gore's organization, uh, all about obviously com- not really combating climate. Well, I guess combating climate change, but it's more about just spreading the awareness that this is a thing. And so, uh, I was down there for three days. Lots of great guest speakers, lots of great panels, lots of great keynotes, lots of great presentations and breakout sessions and things like that. That was really focused around demystifying the science. Um, putting it into layman's terms, um, how to communicate with people about this issue, especially people who are super skeptical and just want to heckle you and argue with you and stuff like that. So really just kind of had a, I guess, style flex, frankly, probably to, to, wow. to meet them where they're at yeah. uh, in the conversation. So it's really great, but I would say the biggest takeaways, uh, number one, climate change is happening. I know everybody says that all the time, and here in California, there's a big drought that may or may not be linked to the to the, the changing climate. I personally think it is very linked. I think the evidence is overwhelming, but I, I know that California has gone through bouts of 
they've gone through dry years in, in the past. But in Miami, it's it's like a really big deal. Miami is the number one city in the world that stands to lose the most economically. Like they're they're the infrastructure that will just be de- completely lost is the highest in in Miami, and parts of that city are already flooding. Like while I was there. Uh, I didn't actually go see this with my own eyes, but the the mayor of Miami spoke and he he told us like, you know, we have neighborhoods that are regularly flooding at high tide twice a day. And I went, uh, I was just kind of Googling this and I found the uh, Miami Police Department's Twitter and on their Twitter, they have tweets about when certain neighborhoods are going to be closed to traffic because of flooding. And it's just, just like, it's a normal thing. Imagine the Third Street Promenade here in Santa Monica with 10 inches of water twice a day. That is what it's like. And they oh showed us God. footage from like, you know, a week ago. Uh, at the thing they showed us footage from a week prior where of people just sloshing through the neighborhood like stores flood like it's it's happening and you the said, mayor was you said al gore was late to a thing because he was he was, his he was, suit got wet or something yeah he's he, wearing like these like waist high galoshes or something crazy. exactly yeah he was late the first day because he was wearing these these exactly these big boots that go all the way up to your your waist and uh they weren't high enough because the the flood like it, it gets worse every month like more and more water pours into these neighborhoods and some people have had to abandon their cars because it's like a flash flood like they can't quite predict how their drainage systems are going to be able to handle uh, high tides because high tides differ from day to day yeah so they're you know trucking in tons and tons of sand to build sort of you know, like our, uh, naturalish beach walls. They've changed the building code. They've installed over $400 million worth of flex pumps. Um, but the poor neighborhoods are losing out because nobody cares about them. And it's like, it's, it's nuts, dude. Like it's happening. And the other big thing I'm taking away is that the U S is the only part is the only area is the only country in the world where this is still like a, a debate. Yeah. Like we had 1,100 people at that training from over 86 countries. I guess that would mean 87 countries. Over 86 countries. (laughs) Uh, 87 or more. (laughs) And um, every panelist, every presenter, every speaker, you know, Philippe Cousteau was there, Jacques Cousteau's grandson. We had uh, Senator Bill Mc... uh, Not... uh, Oh, shit. I'm blanking on his name. But a big time senator. A couple of Republicans even came and spoke, which was cool. Um, but they all had to stop at one point or another and, and basically explain to the international attendees that here in the U.S. it's still this hotly debated thing, that the politics are still out on it. So sorry for all this sort of redundancy, but the Americans in the room, this is a very real conversation still. And I, I just connected with a few of the international people. There are people from Ghana and Bangladesh and China, like all over the place came to Miami for this thing. And they were just kind of like, it is so eye-opening to be in America and see how much like crap is in the way of this discussion. Because in other countries, it's just a, it's just it's a done deal. Like people get it and they're acting, they're moving towards it. So it was really interesting, man. Uh, lots of talk about solutions, and um, what I am also taking away is that nobody listens to you when you focus on the problems. A lot of environmentalists out there are showing pictures of floods and hurricanes and you know, houses getting washed away. And that's very disturbing, but a lot of people just tune out to that. And so it's really important to focus on the solutions because there's a lot of good, amazing things happening. Uh, Solar and wind are actually in many parts of the country and in many parts of the world are at what they call grid parity, which means that they're the same price as fossil fuels or cheaper. And so everybody recognizes that fossil fuels are like 
very quickly becoming a dumb investment. Like, God, there's so much. I want to just keep talking. Uh, the last thing I'll say, I'm going to interview you. That's our next yeah, episode. Seriously. <laughs> Me La- interviewing Trevor. <laughs> the last thing I'll say is that it's, it's, I mean, guys, there's so much, but they, one thing that was really cool to me was, um, Al Gore's sort of prediction for the future is that we will have decentralized energy. Cause right now we all tie into a power grid and we all purchase our energy from some main energy provider who's burning coal or fracking or doing whatever. And that's where we get our, our energy. That's how we turn on the lights and run our computers and things. But in other countries in the world, this is rapidly becoming a thing. People buy their own batteries and they buy solar panels to put on their roofs. And that's how they get their power. They generate all their own electricity from this portable unit that you can buy on the market. It's sort of like what uh, Elon Musk announced recently. Exactly. Right? Those giant batteries that yeah. you just like hang on the wall in your house and they it, last for years yeah. and years and years. In, in like a lot of third world countries, that's already pretty normal. And, uh, and here, Al Gore, basically, he asked us all, he's like, raise your hand if you still have a, a landline at home. And like two people raise their hand. He's like, yeah, you'll have cell phones now, right? It's like you carry your cell phone with you wherever you go. It's like it's going to be the same thing with with your power, with your energy. Wow. We're all going to have our own batteries and solar panels and things. And so there was a lot a lot of time, you know, focused on the solutions. And um, I, I wish they had spoken a little bit more about animal agriculture and how that's a huge con- contributor yeah. Uh, to well, the, especially you saw Cowspiracy after you went. Yeah, right? I saw Cowspiracy after. <laughs> no. But I, I, you know, after watching that movie, I get why they didn't um, talk about it because for some reason, food is such a personal thing. People take that really personally. So, so this is actually what I wanted to like that after our brief conversation in the car that day. The thing that stuck with me the most was what you said about like the U.S. still ha- being the only country in the world that has a quote unquote issue with this. Like we had, and it just like. Now, every time I see like a problem, whether it's in the media or like things I, I, I notice, you know, when I'm driving around, like I saw one of my biggest pet peeves, like it makes me so angry I could cry is um, when I'm driving down the road and I see somebody throw litter out their window, like fast food containers and stuff like that. And I saw it. And like now every time I see an issue, whether it's in the media or in person, I think about what you said about how like it's the only country in the world that's that's still debating this. And it's so frustrating, but it can be applied to so many things, food being one of them, uh, commerce being another. Like whenever we talk about like the way we purchase things or what we eat, people lose their freaking minds. I mean, look at like the gun control debate. Like people lose their shit. They go crazy. And it's so frustrating because it's like, I don't, I just don't get how you don't connect A plus B equals C. Because it's so obvious. Yeah. So the the denial systems that people have created on an individual basis and then as a country are so, they're amazing. They're like, I want to like study that. Yeah. Like how, do you, how are you in so much denial about everything going on in this world and in this country that you're able to continue to like say, no, science is wrong. Or yeah. whatever. Yeah. Like, nope, science doesn't exist. I agree. You know, it, it, it's, it says a lot about our, <clears throat> our mainstream culture because there's so much fear mongering and lying and, and like manipulation that our media portrays that like the idea of like an honest person who is their word and means well is like a rare thing these days. And I, I don't think that's the reality. I think the reality is that 99.9% of people are nice people who you can trust, who will do nice things for the world and, and other people like, and that there's that tiny, tiny sliver of humans that, you know, are, am I using this word correctly? Aberrant? 
aberrant oh yes am i yes you know who, who are crazy who go and shoot up movie theaters and stuff like that like but since we put so much energy and focus on them we're ignoring the 10 million acts of cooperation and trust and respect and acknowledgement that had to happen just for you to get from home to your work you know what i mean it's mm. so it's really i think we're getting to a place in our culture where we're getting to that tipping point where we're going to tip over and start to focus on the good stuff but you know that that crap is still being clinged on to pretty strongly yeah so you know there's a it's a big conversation and we're Obviously. not even going into the economics of it or the politics of it in other countries because there are countries who are just too poor to build seawalls and things like that and so they're just massive population displacements already happening i think it was india that's that's built the largest wall outside of the wall of china uh, the largest like metal fence to keep immigrants out, to keep refugees out of their country. It might not be India. Don't quote me on that, but it's, it's, um, it's a country somewhere, a large country like that. So there's, there's a lot, it's a very complex issue. There's a lot happening. Wow. I would love to talk to anybody about this. So please reach out to the podcast or to me individually, if you'd like to chat more, cause we're just scratching the surface here. Well, yeah. I, th- I mean, thank you again. Thank you for going. Thank you for learning. Thank you for spreading the knowledge. Thank you for talking about it on the podcast. And I, I, I'm grateful. And <clears throat> I know that you're going to provide you know tons of value to not just our listeners, but everyone around you and anyone who has the opportunity to learn from what you've learned. That cool. makes sense. So. Yeah, yeah. I'm, I am quite stoked. Quite stoked to to just add my voice to the conversation and and. and be a, a force for good hopefully in this in this thing which i think is the biggest issue that humans are facing ever yeah. frankly i really do uh and i've said that before and now i'll stop because we get to thank rehearsal pro uh because uh, they helped bring this episode of inside acting to you to our listeners yes i said rehearsal pro it's the next version of rehearsal which is the essential app for actors and it's coming it's coming you can be part of it go to rehearsal.pro slash iap right now to get in on the indiegogo campaign there's just a few days left uh, as of this recording so you can go there, put in your feature requests, and get the new version of Rehearsal at a discount. And exclusively for listeners of this podcast, you can back the campaign at $12 and get your very own copy of Rehearsal Pro. That's a 40% discount. This is the only chance you'll have to get Rehearsal Pro at a discount. So go to Indie, go, I'm sorry, go to rehearsal.pro slash IAP, enter $12, um, after you click the contribute now button and uh, if you use this link again rehearsal.pro slash IAP uh, we'll keep track of it you'll get your copy and uh, we can all be part of the creation of the next version of this app Rehearsal Pro Uh, okay so we just have a few minutes here to respond to uh, a voicemail from Emily hi I have a question about auditions I recently had my first on-screen audition Um, I'm graduated from a three-year musical theater program, so I'm used to doing the other types, singing, dancing, acting, Um, but I'm trying to film and television side of things. I have personal friends who work high up in the industry, and when when I told them that I had the audition, they told me that they were excited to see my tape. Well, little did I know, I didn't even make the first cut. The producer then proceeded to ask for my tape, and the casting director then forwarded him the audition with the following, I meant to send you this, but... Um, She was good, but it took four to six takes and a lot of redirection on my part. Well, this really offended me because I only took two shots, my first shot and the second when I was told to bring it back a little. 
not four to six. And while taking lots of redirecting was only, can you bring it back just a bit? Why would she purposely say these things? Now the producer has seen my audition, I am one of the top two up for this role. Okay, so mm. I'm not sure if the voicemail got cut off there or not, um, Emily, but uh, I think we got the, the main gist of your question, yeah. which is why would somebody sort of exaggerate uh, your your read, um, especially if it's... I don't know. So, I mean, what do, I, I saw you shake your head there for a second, AJ. So, what's well, your... I'm, just, I'm frustrated because, you know, this is... This is representative of that small sliver of humans that are aberrant. <laughs> this is <laughs> that's the word of the day, man. Aberrant. Um, it's just I'm I'm just frustrated because this to me sounds like just ass covering. It's really what it sounds like, right? Mm-hmm. Like she didn't send the casting director didn't send Emily's tape. The producer asked for the tape. I don't know. There must be some relationship there. Either she knows the producer or, or they have a mutual friend. And then she, and then, oh yeah, oh, I, I should send this now. And then instead of just owning, you know, I just didn't think, you know, this, whatever she, whatever her original thought, the casting director's original thought on Emily's audition was, rather than owning that, she makes up some story about, oh yeah, you know, she's okay, but you know, it took a lot of redirection. Mm -hmm. It it just sounds like a lot of ass covering to me. And that's, that's frustrating. Um, That being said let it go. Mm-hmm. Let it go. Emily and anyone else who's ever dealt with someone who's just like not mature enough, not emotionally intelligent enough to own their shit. And, and also just, you know, be an adult about stuff like this. If she wants to act like, you know, a child and be like, no, I didn't break the lamp. Then that you, there's nothing you can do about that. So they all my, really, my response is let it go. Mm-hmm. Because the the fact of the matter is you're not you can't really do much to change what happened. If you ever have a relationship with this person, maybe you can, you know, um <clears throat> come from compassion and, and attempt to support them and, and being a better person moving forward. But there's nothing you can do about what happened and the res- I mean the proof is in the pudding, like as so many of our guests have been saying re- recently, it's about the work. And clearly your work was good enough that now it's down to you and one other person. Yeah. That's all I got. I, I don't know if you had anything. Yeah. yeah, exactly what you said. It took me a long time to, to get this. And I think this podcast was a big reason or a big part of me just finally understanding that casting directors and producers and all these people that we give so much power to as actors, they're people just like us and they have their insecurities and their fears and they screw up at their jobs. And sometimes they do dumb stuff. Sometimes they're, they're, they're afraid, you know, like there's a lot that goes into it and you're going to, especially in this industry, I feel like actors are going to run across a lot of people, uh, who are that way, who are afraid and who, exaggerate and, and cover their asses for you know <laughs> however effectively or not mm-hmm. uh in situations like this um and that doesn't mean that it's the way things are done it just means that's the way that that person handled that situation mm. and just because they're a casting director doesn't mean that they have any more social worth than you do mm. you know they're just a person just like in fact they're just as afraid they're never going to work again as you are Um, so whatever, however they handle the situation, it's like, yeah, just let it go. Recognize that 
maybe they goofed, maybe they could have handled it better. It's not about judgment. It's just about saying, okay, this wasn't a match. This didn't work out for whatever reason and move on. You'll probably run into that person 10 years down the line. You'll both be in very different places and you can start over again. Um, but, uh, but yeah, let it go and move on and just recognize that we're all on a journey and that, um, just because they're a cast director doesn't mean that they're gods. Yeah. You know? Yeah. I, I would say, uh, on, on a professional level, having the uh stamp of approval of being on a veil or having a pin in you or whatever ironically is probably going to make this person call you in again yeah and so you know you we as actors can't walk into a room with a chip on our shoulder you know it's like i can only imagine the actor who has like gone in time and time and time and time again for this to the same office and and tells themselves that that unhelpful story that you know they must not like me. They have never cast me as opposed to, they must really like me because they keep calling me back in. Right. So eventually they sort of take this down downhill trend and end up going in with this chip on their shoulder. And that's going to, that's going to come across energetically. So unless that character that you're playing has yeah. a chip on their shoulder and you get lucky that day, uh, it's not going to support you in the room. Yeah. And you know, we'll go back to episode three, Brian Vermeer. This is a relationship business. And I would take it a step further and say, this is a people business. Like it is more essential in perhaps this industry than any other to have just a rock solid set of people skills. I think it was Brian Tracy that defined uh, intelligence as the ability to get along with the with a wide variety of people. Oh, interesting! So, something to that effect, because you know there are people who invent amazing things but who like hiss at you and freak out, and they they're like socially damaged and like are they truly intelligent or is the truly intelligent guy, the guy who can walk into any room, any situation and get along with people, no matter what temperament they are, what background they're from. So I I would just say this is an opportunity to remind ourselves, all of us listening to this and speaking right now uh, to really focus on what is it going to take for me to get along with this person in the room, with this person, you know, that I'm going to meet later today, with this person that I have beef with, that I never resolved with this big falling out with, what is it going to take to, to, to smooth that over and make sure that I come from a place of like, okay, cool. We're, we're good here. Right. What do you need from me? That, 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 that was probably the one thing that will guarantee your career longevity more than anything else. Mm. Well, uh, thanks, Emily. Thanks for uh, calling in and for being vulnerable and sharing with us and the rest of our listeners. I'm, I hope that uh, I'm sure other people found it valuable as well. Um, so let's uh, roll into part three of my interview here with Steve. Um, sad to say goodbye. This is more goodness, more good stuff. I mean, you guys have gotten, uh, you guys have had the opportunity to experience him and his viewpoint on, th- on things and we just, you know, keep uh, pushing further and further and further. Um, I don't want to say down the rabbit hole. It's more like forward. I really enjoy what he has to say about, you know, in answering our, our final two questions, which I'm starting to realize are sort of like this really cool, like anticipatory thing. If our guests have two or three parters, it's like you're kind of waiting for that second or third part so you can hear those. So anyway, uh, enjoy this guys. And we'll catch you on the other side.
the other thing that I, I'm really big on, and I heard one of your guests, Leo, talk about this. He talked about his job being a nurse. It's a great episode, by the way. <laughs> and I, I loved what he had to say. And I loved it because he had such integrity. He had such character. And in Hollywood, when you get here, or New York, you have to find a bridge job. Not me, because I was independently wealthy. You know, my, my oil wells. But, you know, you, you have to get that job so that you can eat and you can live in the valley, right? So you and take your acting classes and get your gym membership and go to Samuel French. You need, you need the cash, but you need the flexibility. And so this town, as you know, is just full of actors in these jobs that they don't love. They don't love these jobs. A lot of servers, let's say. And they know that they don't want to be there. We know that they don't want to be there, and they probably won't be there for very much time. But here's the thing. Do the job. Do the job. You're being paid to do the job. Somebody's giving you this opportunity. They've given you this bridge job knowing that you're not going to be there very much longer, or they know there's a chance that you can be gone any minute. But it's also your character. I had a situation where I went into a pretty nice restaurant with a friend, an agent friend of mine, and there was a gorgeous hostess there, beautiful girl. She's six feet tall and blonde, and everybody knew. Veronica Lake was not supposed to be the hostess, right? She was not supposed to be here. She was so cool and so adept at customer service and on point and present and alive in the moment, it was beyond impressive. Everybody knew she was not supposed to be there. So much so that at the end of the dinner, we exchanged information and we helped her get an agent and a manager because we knew that she had character. She had character. And I always say, well, when are you going to decide to show your character? When you become a series regular, is that when you're gonna show your character? When you star in a film, is that when you're going to show your character? Mm. When you get several guest starring roles, is that when you're going to show up at the set and, and show your true character? You are a star wherever you are. You are a star wherever you are. And so if you are slinging hash, you're a star. You're a star. And it, it's inevitable for you. It's inevitable. But if you are sour about it, you might miss a great opportunity because agents, managers, all of us come into these restaurants, these places, and we can see you're not supposed to be there. So you miss an opportunity, but we also see something else, and we see, well, that's, that really shows their character. Yeah. So do I want to send them out on a job knowing that they might mm, not be feeling it that day? Yeah, or show or up with the same attitude. The same or, attitude. You yeah. don't. You don't. So you're a star wherever you are, so you, you need to act like it. You need to be undeniable. You hmm. need to do the work, and that's a sign of respect to wherever you're working to. Yeah. It's a sign of respect. And that's, that's something I, I believe very strongly in. And I, I encourage anybody who gets a bridge job, work their butt off at it. That's why I love this Leo. He said, I need to go into work. I need to be a nurse. I need to take care of these patients. If I don't, then they're not going to get the kind of 
quality nursing that I know that I can deliver. Yeah. And I thought, this guy is a star. He is a star. Because that's how a star thinks. He's a star wherever he is. I was very impressed with him. I was very impressed with him. But I'll that, put you guys in touch. <laughs> well, he's, he's, he's really, you know, I, I loved hearing that. I thought, that's fantastic. Yeah. Listen to this guy. Yeah. That's fantastic. That is the attitude. Yeah. That is the, that is the attitude of a champion. Yeah. Right? It's yeah. the attitude of the champion. This, this town is extremely hard. No, no mistake about that. You know what? There are 160,000 union members in Hollywood. 15% are working as actors. Yeah. At any given time. This doesn't count all of the actors who are not in the union. And we know that every day, every hour, more people show up from Kansas and Idaho and Florida and from New Jersey. Every cheerleader, every jock, every theater musical geek, they show up. Yeah. They show up. So whatever you have to do, to stand out, you do it. And one of those things is you show your true character wherever yeah. you are. It's hard, too. It's hard. I did some, you know, odd jobs, and they were odd. And I didn't love it every day. Guess what? You do it. Yeah. You know, one of my first jobs was a PA at a local television station here. And I had to get up at 3.30 in the morning, every morning, go into work, and sort scripts and get coffee and roll a teleprompter and I have my master's degree <laughs> and you know what I was thrilled to be there yeah. that is the truth I felt like I'd won the freaking lottery and I did I was uh, very very fortunate extremely fortunate and you just maximize those opportunities you just keep maximizing those opportunities and of course that led to meeting this actor on CBS which led to PR yeah Going through doors that open. Yeah, well, and who knows if you know you you would your eyes would have been open to said opportunities if you had sour grapes or you were you know yeah. just like folded arms and you know tossing a, a hissy fit like every day. Yeah, you know it's like oh I hate being here I hate being here I hate every, well, everybody who's here including that person <laughs> that just came in and out of my life who could have set me up for the that's next, true the next thing and believe me I. On many mornings, I could have won an Academy Award myself for my <laughs> performance of Happy Person. Today, playing the role of ha Happy, happy person, person. Steve Roar. Happy Person. But you know what? I uh, truly, it's, it's, it's magical for me, and I was so grateful. And I think that's the other thing that I strive to be and, and remind myself to be always is how fortunate I am. Oh, it's crazy how fortunate I am. And to not complain and believe me I am a world-class complainer but I've curbed that a bit because who am I who am I to complain about my life I I have a pretty wonderful life and so I have to get up a little early or I have to go to bed a little late or I have to Oh, I've got to carry Kate Blanchett's Oscar all night. You know, those kind of things. My arm hurt. That's okay. I'll tell you a story about her later. She's fantastic. So, One of my favorites. But here's, here's my speech that I give, and I give it to myself. And my speech is, if you do not want to get up at 3.30 in the morning and schlep to work and sort scripts and get coffee for people that barely give you the time of day, 
because they don't even know what time it is, quite frankly. Or you don't want to get up and you don't want to do a, a press junket. Or you don't want to get up and go to work for 14 hours and then fly across the country and do a premiere the next night. If you don't want to do any of these things, you, you don't have to. You don't have to. Yeah. But this, this is what stars do. If you don't want to be nice to people on the street, if you don't want to monitor your tweets and make sure you're not saying mean things all the time, if you want to go in the club instead of going to a really cool industry party, you don't have to. But this is what stars do. And we are so fortunate to be able to do the things that we do. And yes, it can be hard. It can be tiring. But I don't have the luxury of complaining. I don't get the luxury of complaining. I saw an interview a few weeks ago, and a young actress was doing a satellite media tour. And a satellite media tour is where you sit in a room early morning, and you got a bagel over there, and you got some orange juice and some coffee. And every couple minutes, a new news station comes on. So they feed in a news station with new anchors, and you've got to talk about the movie you're promoting. So you start on the East Coast, and you move West as America wakes up. So you're exhausted. You've answered the same questions ad nauseum. It's, you know, you're, that's what a press junket is. You answer the same question over and over again like it's the first time you answer it. Mm -hmm. And this young lady saw fit to be sarcastic and berate the journalists for asking these questions that, of course, the viewers want to know. And the most basic questions that you ask on a, in a television environment, especially a live interview. And she was really, really rude. Really rude. It was as if they were not doing her a favor, which is exactly what they were doing. Yeah. Promoting her career. But she would have none of it. Hmm. She would have none of it. And she was surly mm. and unprofessional. And... I thought to myself, wow, do you understand what you have? Do you understand the life that you're leading? Do you understand that you get to do what you love and get paid for it? And ride around in a beautiful car and stay in first class hotels. And have people give a shit and like have they're asking you. be thrilled with you. <laughs> yeah. And support your career. Uh. This is what stars do. Nobody coached her. Or if they did, she didn't listen. Yeah. And it was sloppy. And she came off in a very arrogant way. And it was so unimpressive. It was so unimpressive. And I thought, wow. You might be an actor. And you might be famous. But you're not a star. Hmm. I have represented stars. Martin Sheen is a star. And Martin Sheen is a star because he's the most humble, respectful, giving person. He remembers everybody's name. Yeah. He doesn't put on airs. You can be world famous or a valet parker, and you're the same kind of person to Martin Sheen. Yeah. This is the truth. Yeah. I've heard, I've heard the stories about him. It is him absolutely true. Yeah. He, he yeah. makes me feel like I'm a criminal. 
and I think I'm a pretty decent person, and I feel I, I should be in church 24 hours a day praying for my soul. Really, <laughs> I feel like a terrible person. Like, Martin, you make me feel badly about myself. He said, yeah, become a Catholic. And I said, you know, I'm not to that point yet. <laughs> Another one of those people that I, I want to talk about is Dixie Carter was one of my clients. I don't know if you remember her. She was on a show called Designing Women, and she played Julia Sugarbaker, and she's from the South. And she was a star. She was a star because she took the time with everyone who asked for it. Autograph it in an airport, we'd be late for planes. They'd hold the plane. But when she was on Desperate Housewives, there was a big interview, major outlet, had set up in this huge room, and they wanted to interview her because she was going to do this recurring role. And it was a big deal. There were about no exaggeration, 20 people in the room, at least 20 people. So you had PAs and you had interns and you had producers and you had the crew from this outlet plus you had producers from the show. And she came in the room, Dixie Carter, and she said hello to everybody. She shook their hand. How are you? My name is Dixie. Nice to meet you. 45-minute interview, intense interview. She gets up from the interview and she proceeds to go around the room and say goodbye to everybody by name. By name, PA, producer, doesn't matter. That is a star. That's a star. If you can't be bothered to do an interview or you come off surly or ungrateful because you happen to be tired, that's not a star. Yeah. That's a crabby person sitting in a chair. <clears throat> You know what I'm finding fascinating about this too is that I'm so opinionated. <laughs> yeah, that you're such a pain in the no. Um, it's I, true. I there there's this talk of an it. I'm doing air quotes, everyone. An it. It's factor. impressive. I've never seen that. An it, an it factor, right? With yes. with stars, right? People who are who either work a lot or who people want to know, people want to film, people want to interview. There's this it, oh, he's the, the new it guy, the new it girl. There's They have the it factor. It's like, uh, what makes them so amazing or what makes them so attractive? It's like, ah, I can't put my finger on it. They just have this thing, right? And people talk about this thing, whatever this thing is. And no one ever seems to be able to, well, what is it? I don't know. They just have it. The, I think... A lot of what we've talked about during this interview puts some bullet points in the explanation of what that is, of what the it factor is, of what that thing is that makes a person so attractive. It's not everything, certainly, but holy crap, like remembering every single person's name in a room or, you know, your generosity. We talk about, we talk about all the time just being a generous person on the podcast well, uh and focusing out and... Th that's it. I think you, you nailed it because what the commonality that I see with these people who are so charismatic and so loved and who have this star power is when they look at you, they see you. They see you and they hear you and they give you time. And it is outward energy. It's energy going out. It's sharing energy out. But they're not so self-involved that 
they've closed themselves off. So they're truly interested in what's going on. This is what makes them fantastic actors, by the way. They're so interested in what's, how this person lives. How do, you, how do you live out here on the street? What's going on here? How do you make a living? What's happening here? You, you're interested, right? And this is what I saw. And again, with, with Dixie, she passed away April 10, 2010. And I went to her funeral in Tennessee, a small country church in the middle of Tennessee. It was beautiful. It was beautiful. And here's a woman who was a major television star. And the whole crowd was a mixed match of people. <laughs> mixed match of people. You had her co-stars from Designing Women. So you had famous people. You had New York money out there, right? And you had people, good solid people from Tennessee and everybody sort of knew that they were there because they were loved and there was never a mention of her fame never came up nobody talked about her Emmy nominations or commercials or, or whatever nobody talked about it you know what they talked about they said she saw me she saw me when nobody else did Wow. And so she had left a legacy of relationships. A legacy of relationships that to this day I would honor. If anybody called me and said, you know, I was Dixie's good friend and I'm coming to LA and my hotel room fell out, can I stay with you? I'd say absolutely. And I've done this. I've done this with people because they're part of this legacy of relationships. You know, she died when she was very young. She was 70 years old. She looked like she was 25. She's gorgeous, beautiful woman. And she didn't really die, though, because this legacy of relationships survives this network of people from desperate situations, from all classes of people. She never put on airs. It was never part of her, her being, right? And so we knew we were in a room of people who loved each other, who loved her. And that is also what stars do. Wow. I, I want to have you on speed dial. Not, not to ask you questions about publicity necessarily, but to just ask questions about, um, you know, the industry in general or like, you know, I mean, I'm sure we could talk forever about the amazing stories that you have. Um, I, oh, man... I almost don't want to do this because it means that we're wrapping up, but I, we do have two questions that we always end every interview with, and I'm, and I'm sure you've heard them because you listen to the podcast, and I think you may have already even answered them uh, over the course of the, the interview, but uh, the first one is, um, do you feel like this path chose you or you chose it? Both. Absolutely both. The path was there. And I've, I've said this earlier that I think that all of us have this rendezvous with destiny. Destiny is just a meeting, and we just need to get there. And for so many years, I was thinking I would just create my own path, and I would just do my own thing. But I got out of my own way, thank God. And so that was my way of choosing my path, is that I stopped sabotaging myself. And I got out of my own way and allowed the path to unfold in front of me. And it's extremely difficult for somebody who is a control freak like me. 
<laughs> you know, or if you really care about your career, which is everybody, and if you really want something, actors they really want it, right? Mm. So it's very difficult not for them for them not to get out of their own way and just to let things unfold. Doesn't mean you stop moving at all. It means you keep on moving, but you don't hinder yourself along the way. You don't go through the doors that are closed to you. You go through the doors that are open. It's there. Everything is there. And the universe will conspire to help you. And the closer you get to the, your, your dream, your dream steps forward to you. Uh, Noodle Bake Central over here. Um, the second question is, if you had one nugget of advice to leave you know what you know we just you just mentioned legacy with Dixie the amount of wisdom that you either came into this with or have gained over the course of your experience in it is um, staggering so if you had one piece of advice one nugget of wisdom to Anyone, I, I mean, publicist, an actor, someone following in your footsteps or someone, you know, maybe even early on in their career in this industry, what, like, what is your, what is that one, your golden rule, your, your, your golden nugget of advice? I think it is to step into the fear. Step into the fear. We all have this voice, this inner critic in our head. And it is so happy to tell us that we can't do something, right? It's so thrilled to tell you that you're not good enough, you're not smart enough, you're not talented enough, you're not this, you're not that, and, you know, we listen to it. We listen to it. Because it scares us, and, and we listen to it. And it's this primitive thing in our head, right? It's that fight-or-flight thing that happens for millions of years, and that's what keeps us from walking in, into traffic on the 101, right? But this is not walking into traffic on the 101. This is Hollywood. This is play. It's not the same thing. There's not a tiger waiting to eat you. There are mm. sharks, but there aren't tigers, right? <laughs> so you need to step into your fear. There was a, a study that was done a few years ago, and they, they went to senior citizens, and they said, you know what? what is, what's the number one thing that you regret looking back on your life. What do you think that the, the women said? Oh, uh, I have no idea. They said, I would have done a lot less housework. <laughs> okay? But their number two was the same thing as the men's answer, which was, I would have taken more risks. Huh. And we get caught up in this inner critic, and the inner critic is a liar. The inner critic is a liar. You are not going to die walking into Hollywood. You might not feel so great all the time, but you're not going to die. Yeah. And you have to walk into the fear, and you need to shut down that inner critic if you really want to make it. Because there are so many people who will tell us that we can't do it. And this is what we're telling ourselves. This is what we're telling ourselves with 160,000 people who aren't working in Hollywood. This is what we're telling ourselves. It's crazy. And this negative self-talk. So it's not only happening in our head. It's happening 
Yeah, we say we talk about ourselves all day long. When we're driving, when we, we've lost something, oh, idiot, you're such an idiot. And scholars will tell us that when we talk to ourselves, we're teaching ourselves things, yeah. right? Yeah. So there have been studies done where if you lose your keys, if you say keys, 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 well, you're more likely to find those keys faster if you say it out loud. But what are we telling ourselves? We're saying we're, we're idiots, we're talentless, we're dumb, we're a bad boyfriend, we're a bad whatever. Women do this all the time. It's all about body image, right? Yeah. And they just talk themselves into this crazy thing. Things that you would never tell your worst enemy, we are telling ourselves. Things that we would never tell our worst enemy, we are so breezy with saying to ourselves, and it's detrimental. It's detrimental to us. And this business is the most competitive in the world. So we need to arm ourselves. We need to get rid of that inner critic. And the way you do it, I'll tell you how you do it. You tell it to go away. It's a bully. <laughs> Bullies are cowards. And you need to say to it, get lost. And you, sometimes you need to yell at it. Out loud, you need to yell at it. And it'll go away. It'll go away. Or you make a deal with it and say, you know what? I'm really busy. I'm getting ready for this audition right now. I hear you. You're cool. You, I hear you. Why don't you come back afterwards? Because I, I really can't do these two things at the same time. It works. It works. And then you need to practice not destroying yourself 24 hours a day. And it starts from the minute we get up to the minute we go to bed. We cannot wait to berate ourselves and put ourselves down. So the exercise here is... Tomorrow, just one time, you stop yourself and you correct yourself. You cannot be the dumbest person in the world. All of us know people who are much dumber, right? You cannot be, we're, come on, you're not the ugliest person in the world. You're not, come on. There are, okay, there are other people out in the world. But the point is you have to turn it around just one time. I'm not asking you to change your entire way of communicating with yourself, but just Try it one time. And what is that going to do? That is going to create an awareness for you. And it shows that you can actually change it. I have to do this to myself all the time. I'm very highly critical of myself, right? I'll be in the car on the way home saying, oh, well, you thought you did pretty good there, Steve. But, you know, they just looked like they were eyes glazed over and you could have done so much better, right? You need to stop it. Because I'm doing what I'm doing. I'm saying what I'm saying because this is, this is what I have to say, right? It's your authentic voice, which replaces that inner critic voice and replaces the voice that's not very kind to you. So women, look, women are terrible to themselves. Women, think about this. If you were to go to your mom and say, this is the list of things that I've said to myself today, what do you think her response would be? Mm. You go to your dad, you go to your dad and you say, Dad, I made a list of all the things that I said to myself today. I want you to take a look at them. What would your dad say to that? You know, you know. Yeah. He did not raise you this way. And you know that it is simply not true. Yeah. Simply not true. 
That's my advice. <laughs> uh, that is not your only piece of advice, but I... Yeah, it's so funny. We, we invite people on the show, and it, whatever it is they do, casting director, publicist, you know, and I don't know, maybe it's just us, maybe it's maybe it's, uh, maybe it's it's Jen, maybe it's uh, Trevor and I. That I think it's Jen. We we end up attracting, you know, it's like, it's like we... I thought we were going to sit down and talk about publicity, and 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 we did, but we also talked about, you know, fame and the pros and cons and what it is and what it isn't. And then we start talking about the inner game, which we call the inner game on the podcast, like what's going on upstairs and and how it affects you know the, your relationship with the world, your relationship with other people, and your relationship with your career. And it 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 never ceases to amaze me, and I'm always appreciative to. Um, I'm always appreciative to gain the wisdom of the next guest, and um, there was so much of it today, so I really, really appreciate it. Well, thank you, AJ. I had, I had a blast. I love listening to myself. <laughs> you know, of course. I love to hear myself talk, so it was a true pleasure for me to be on this show. <laughs> You're going to like these episodes. Yeah, well, um, I, truly, you know, I, I feel very honored, and like I said at the top of the show, I've done very few interviews. It's not what I do. I set up interviews for other people. But the show is so important, so important for actors who need some kind of guidance, legitimate guidance, and something they can use, tools they can use. Yeah. I, I wish I had somebody to tell me all this, you know. I'm 107 years old now. It took me many, many years, you know. <laughs> but, you know, it's, I wish I had known. I wish I had been a little smarter. I wish I had had been a, a bit more brave. Mm. And so perhaps that's why I'm here today, to say, toughen up <laughs> and walk into the fear because nobody can take away your birthday. Yeah. You're going to be fine. You're going to be fine. Yeah. Well, and, and I am so grateful, and I know Trevor would agree with me, it, it, we're so grateful about the, the sort of the fast track, if you will, that the podcast has uh, allowed us to be on, you know, six years of, of listening to this type of wisdom. And we feel like, you know, we're so lucky to have not necessarily had the same pitfalls. I mean, it doesn't mean that you hear it once and, and it goes in and you immediately apply it, but we've been able to, to do to do pretty well, I think. And, well, and AJ, as you probably already know, that today is International Podcast Day. So it was very important for me to come today. Is that true? It's absolutely true. I'm a Are publicist. You? I know every kind of holiday, kind of a weird-ass holiday. Jen is Googling it right oh, yeah. now. Because um, I will find a hook. That's amazing. I love that. Um, if people want to find out more, but I know you said you have a Twitter account. I, I don't do. Know, like, we, I feel like it's totally international <laughs> totally podcasting. Yeah. That's hilarious. Um, That's I, my advice. I feel like... We didn't know that. I feel I know now I'm I I failed at publicity today. Um, I, I I feel like I don't know I could be I could be making this up, but I feel like our listeners are going to like berate you with questions. So be very selective about what you say next. How can people get a hold of you and learn more about you and what you do in your agency and those types of things? Well, of course they can follow me on Twitter <clears throat> at Real Steve Roar. That's R-E-A-L, Steve, S-T-E-V-E, R-O-H, like hotel, R, at Real Steve Roar. You can send me a message via Twitter. You can find me on Facebook. You can link in with me. Awesome. I now have 3,000, over 3,000 LinkedIn people. 
Mainly my family. That doesn't yeah. surprise me. <laughs> oh, and Jen, of course, Jen. Yes, yes. No, I don't know how that happened. I, it's frightening to me. That's so funny. Uh, and of course, I use LinkedIn inappropriately. You know, I'm, I'm the publicist telling people how to use LinkedIn, and I'll just post other stuff. <laughs> it's you know, I post Facebook stuff on LinkedIn and LinkedIn stuff on Facebook. So you know, maybe I'm not following my my own advice, but there you go. So they can find me that way. They can also find me through your show, right? So yeah. they want to email you. We're gonna have all of your links on uh, right. on the uh, on the, the 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 show notes for this these episodes, and also, um, yeah, if they email the podcast, you know, maybe we'll curate a, a list of questions right. and, and email them to you, and then read them back on the show or something like that. That would be that would be a lot of fun. It'd be my pleasure, actually. Awesome. All right, thank you so much, Steve. Thank I you. Really appreciate it. Wow. sad to be saying goodbye to steve uh i know we you know talked about this last episode but what a great dude yeah. what a great dude yeah he knows what's up and yeah man turning point in the, in the podcast just the the level of hey you know we'll just do a little throwback here the level of intelligence that guy that guy brings to the conversation <laughs> not because he's invented some crazy thing but because he knows how people work yeah man like really inspiring really grateful to have him on the show yeah thank you steve if you're listening thank you you're Thanks, amazing steve. i i'm so <laughs> upset that this is an interview i couldn't be at <laughs> he was happy you weren't there um oh, well i've met him before so that's right he doesn't remember uh, but i met him <laughs> No, he remembered. He totally what? remembered. What? Really? You. Yeah. Yeah. It was like a 10 second conversation. He talked about you. He totally remembered wow. you. See, um, that's another reason why Steve's, I feel so warm and fuzzy now thinking about <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, and I, as I said in the two episodes ago uh, when I did the solo episode on his first part, you feel free to continue to send in questions. We've only gotten one email with questions for Steve, and I think one of them. There was two questions in the email, and one of them actually he answered in part two. So um, continue to send in your questions uh, for Steve, or just reach out to him directly on uh, on Twitter, and we'll uh, either send him an email with all of the questions, you know, and then he can respond, and we can read them read them on the podcast. What a generous guy! Man. I am That's done. Awesome. Uh, what is your pick of the week? So. I, I'm taking a page out of your book because I'm back in uh, I'm back in LA and you've been the one uh, you've been the one to make make these types of picks of the week. There's a show happening at the place that we work uh, at the Kirk, Kirk Douglas Theater called Kansas City Choir Boy, and I I wish that there was I wish the album of this show was already available because that would be my my pick of the week. If you're in LA, go see the show. There's there's a very very vague plot. There's only like two real characters, even though it's a cast of eight, there's only two real like characters in it. I guess you could call it a musical, though some people are referring it to it more as like a staged concert or a staged concept album. Um, but the thing that I, the reason I'm making it my pick of the week is because it's been a very long time since I was able to sit in a theater and just experience something and also not really be able to explain it. Mm. And I think it's a combination of like the... Um, the music, the performances, the um, design elements. And I sort of felt the way I felt when I was working with like the National Theater of Greece. In the National Theater of Greece, they tend to use all of these disparate ideas that are drawing from their their cultural history along with their theatrical history, as well as 
try to inject some modern sensibility into these ancient scripts. And so what you end up having is you, you watch these and you're like, okay, I've seen this story before because it's so old. And, and Greeks will tell you this, like, I've seen this already. Like, why do I need to see this again? <clears throat> so when done well, you end up experiencing something. You just have an experience while sitting there in the theater and you don't necessarily know what the explanation is. Yeah. And that's what I experienced when I saw the show. I'm like, I don't really know. I wouldn't be able to tell you, like I could tell you what the loose plot was or whatever, but I wouldn't be able to tell you why I like the hairs on my arms were standing up on end when I was watching the show. Mm. You know, I, I, I wouldn't be able to explain that. And who knows, maybe I'll make this my pick of the week and somebody who's listening to this will go see it and they'll be like, AJ, you're a jerk. Like I didn't experience anything, but you know, art is personal. So, um, that and it's a very specific pick of the week, but also a very specific reason for the pick of the week. And yeah. I wanted to sort of give it some context. Yeah, Kansas City Choir Boy at the Douglas. It's got uh, Courtney Love is in it as well, mm-hmm. and Todd Almond. Todd who Almond did all of the music. Um, it, it, yeah, and he's amazing. I, I sat in the same performance at least the first time that you did, AJ. And it, it, it is a trip through someone's psyche, and it is amazing. Just the music that just blends from one song to the next. It's only an hour long, but it's just it is a I was sad when it ended. It was so fun. Yeah. It was so fun and oh, it's beautiful. All right, cool. Yeah, that's a great pick of the week, dude. Uh, <laughs> Thanks, man. What's your what's your pick? Mine is a book called A Language Older Than Words by a guy named Derek Jensen. Derek Jensen has written like 20 something books. He's he he's like a he's like an environmental activist, but mainly through words. And um, the same way that Daniel Quinn's books, I, I picked a book of his, uh, I don't know, a couple weeks ago called If They Give You Line, line Paper Right Sideways. His, his writing, his thinking has changed my, my view of the world. I love Daniel Quinn. Derek Jensen takes it a step further. So he's like the graduate level uh, stuff for this. Just Whoa. like, here's how, here's what humans are doing to the world. Here's what our culture, here's how, here's why our culture is absolutely crazy. And this is like part memoir, part like lacerating searing like commentary on western culture um and it's tricky because i feel like some of his childhood experiences bleed a little too heavily into the cultural criticisms and so you start at least for me i start to kind of walk away and be like no this guy's kind of he's just damaged goods but uh you can't deny the brilliance of what he's saying. And and these are things that I've never heard anybody say. These are, these are ideas that I've never experienced before. So, uh, the book is a little depressing, uh, but (laughs) very, but, 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 but brilliant, a whole new level. So a language older than words by Derek Jenkinson. There's a link, a link on our website to the book, uh, and also to the website for Kansas city choir boy, where you can see a video, uh, like a video sort of trailer for that show. So check it out. Uh, and I think that's about all we have time for. Yes, sir. All right. Well, today's episode of Inside Acting was produced and co-hosted by me, Trevor Algott, and AJ Meyer. Jen Levin is our production coordinator. Gadali Gubarek is our marketing and web director. Jasmine Bristow is our director of public relations. And Deborah Smith, who's getting married soon, is our community Yay. manager. Uh, Trevor Algott edited and mixed today's episode and composed our theme and interview music. You can sign up for our weekly email dispatch and listen to all of our recent episodes at our website, InsideActing.net. You can also find us on iTunes and your interview your interviews wow told you i'm tired and your reviews especially those five star ones are hugely appreciated 
Huge thanks to our sponsors, Rehearsal Pro and VO2GoGo.com. And thanks to you, our listeners. If you love inside acting, right? If you do, you do, right? If. Uh, and you want to maximize its value in your life and career, sign up as a monthly member and get cool perks like access to our membership message board, cool freebies, invites to exclusive member meetups, discounts on merchandise, the joy of supporting something that you uh, get a lot of value out of, uh, and more. Just visit InsideHacting.net and click on the membership tab. And just a reminder that we still have books available from uh, from Steve. Yeah. So if you if you sign up as a as a member, that's a, a cool new perk. We've got only twenty five, so it's a limited um, a limited sort of limited time offer. I don't know how to say that, but yeah. basically we only have a limited number. So if you sign up as a as a patron or a, sorry a member after uh, what was it October first. Um, just reach out to the podcast, or we will, we will reach out to you and ask you which one you want. Yeah. Um, the links are to those books are in the show notes too for every episode uh, since the last one. Excellent, yeah. and we still have some available. There's a few. There's we've had several people sign up since that was uh, an offer. So, but we still have some available. So, um, yeah, just a reminder. So, I guess that's it. That is that is all we wrote and said. <laughs> Oh man, what a slap happy episode. Uh, that's it for episode 212 of Inside Acting. Thank you for listening. We'll see you next time. And in the meantime, don't be abhorrent. Aberrant. <laughs> <laughs>